Now then, 8.46. As promised, we go up close with Professor Zheng Huang of Hanguk University of Foreign Studies Law School. Now, is there a credibility issue for the United States in dealing with North Korea? Uh, that's the topic you've chosen for today. Let me say good morning to you. Good morning, Alex. So, we've seen and we've talked about it on this morning's show, efforts by the US to further handle the North Um Donald Trump didn't initially say much more than handle, but we then saw sanctions, not just against North Korea, but also Iran and Russia. That's right. Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk about what's triggered that. Two ICBM tests in the space of a month by North Korea. That's right, especially the one that, that was tested last Friday, I think has is basically calculated to have the, re- the ability to reach, you know, about two-thirds of the continental United States. So I think that really uh, sobered up a lot of people and, you know, people like uh, Senator Lindsey Graham or former U.S. envoy to UN, John Bolton, have basically come out and said, hey, we need to have military options against North Korea. So, you know, those voices do make, you know, us living in South Korea very nervous, you know, uh, having an open war with North Korea doesn't would not make our you know physical safety uh, very you know secure uh, in, in the event of a war do we have to differentiate though between what is said for a public purpose you know when North Korea says things publicly we always course, say yeah. there is some reason for that beyond the content of the words is the US not playing the same game well, I mean, U.S. shouldn't be playing the same game. I mean, for whatever reason, I think what North Korea says in, the, in its English media pronouncements get a lot of coverage, which I find a little puzzling because if you've been following the North Korea propaganda for a long time, you know, Seoul would have turned into a sea of fire many, many, many well, times Well, it is very over. repetitive. Yes, I mean, they do tend to say, you know, very outrageous things in a repetitive manner. So but if you really take their words at their, you know, face value, you know, you, find, you might find it very... Uh, alarming but you know no war has broken out between North and South Korea despite such, uh, such propaganda. Well, North Korea's paid for quite a few of my bills when people ask me to write articles or comment on those <laughs> on those quotes. So I don't want to I don't want to say goodbye to them altogether. I just don't want it to happen in reality. But I mean, joking aside, Professor Huang, that's been the, the status quo for some time. People who live here or are in the know, they don't take North Korea very seriously. But again, that question, should we take the US seriously when there are these voices increasingly talking about stronger action? Well, hopefully the diplomacy will be the final end game. But if you actually keep talking about war like Lindsey Graham or John Bolton do, I mean, what is the uh, incentive for North Korea to actually take uh, the U.S. seriously? Even without these recent pronouncements, you know, if you look at U.S. action vis-a-vis some other countries, uh, specifically I have Iraq and Libya in mind, I mean, those uh, are examples that North Korea propaganda machines actually explicitly refer to and have said, you know, those are, these are the reasons that we cannot trust the United States. And, you know, from, even from an objective point of view, for a good, very good reason. For example, the Iraq war, the main reason for the Iraq war was the weapons of mass destruction. But upon taking over Iraq, there was no WMD. Same for Libya. I mean, Libya, you know, gave up its nuclear program. But in a few years, the Arab Spring came, in, came around and, you know, Muammar Gaddafi lost his life. So, you know, looking at those examples, North Korea has probably good reason to not to really trust the U.S. There is an issue here that I just drew from your comment that the goals themselves seem to be designed without having any realistic uh, ambition. 
Um, because let's look at the sanctions. Let's look at the attempt at denuclearization, even the goal of unification. These all seem to be um, phantoms, rainbows, well, almost. I mean, the end goals that United States or South Korea desire are not the end goals that North Korea desire. I mean, North Korean leadership clearly wants to hold on to their power. And that is not something that in the ideal world, that neither South Korea nor the United States would like to see. But if you don't really you know, give them the reason to trust whatever promises that South Korea or United States makes, I mean, what's the incentive for North Korea to actually come to the negotiating table and actually you know, engage in a give, give and take? And you know, when you actually talk about these international agreements that you know, nations enter into, there's no, no real international legal mechanism to make them binding. So ultimately, yeah, it has to be you know, some kind of trust relationship. And I'd mm-hmm. say you know, both North Korea and United States in each other's eyes have lost mo- a lot of credibility to make them go sit, sit down and hammer out a binding agreement. Um, well, perhaps the easiest of those that I just mentioned before to, to tick off, denuclearization, is it even verifiable or possible? Has the horse not already bolted? You can shut down facilities, but they've got the know-how. Yeah, realistically, you know, can, we, can we have North Korea give up what they have already developed and stockpiled? I think realistically, that's probably, you know, off the table already. But I, I suppose the realistic goal, at least one hopes would be a realistic goal, is to you know get into a negotiation with North Korea, hammer out some kind of deal, maybe not exactly like the 1994 agreed uh, framework between North Korea and the United States, but something, some version of that in order to freeze North Korea's program whereas where it is. Yes. Uh, when we've got South Korean President Moon Jae-in, though, continuing to demand the complete denuclearization of this peninsula, making that uh, the end goal, and you're just saying that it's not possible and many ordinary people would say it's not possible. Should we be accepting these comments from our leaders? <laughs> I mean, you know, we've we, the country is right behind President Moon. But, yeah, I mean... Uh, but, but, you know, when we hear comments like that or when we hear President Trump talking about dealing North Korea, you know, we'll just handle them. Do, do we have a right as a public to demand more realistic measures? Well, let me take it, take it in two, uh, two tranches. First tranche is kind of a tough talk coming from the United States, at least you know, some high-ranking or former high-ranking U.S. officials saying that, hey, maybe we, need, we do need to attack North Korea. That kind of escalation I don't think is very helpful. I mean, you know, uh, we, we should be rightly alarmed about North Korea's ability to, you know, fire missiles and use their nuclear weapons. But, you know, as soon as you escalate military uh, uh, military uh, state of uh, anxiety on both sides, you know, you actually increase the likelihood of a nuclear war if you keep on ratcheting up the military, military conflict. So... I think, you know, yeah, I mean, United States clearly has a, a ability to, you know, launch some kind of military attack, but the outcome is very much in doubt. On the other hand, with respect to, you know, South Korean current President Moon Jae-in's, you know, the whole dream of a you know, more peaceful solution, complete denuclearization or so forth, I think it's one thing to have, you know, a very long-term goal. Maybe the Korean peninsula can become nuclear-free in, a few, in many years to come, but realistically, you know, immediate goal-wise, it's probably not realistic for North Korea to give up its nuclear weapons under any scenario that you can realistically think of. Then what happens? You know, if sanctions work, if there is uh, the regime collapse that some have talked about, then what? I mean, unification is, is not necessarily the most likely or even close to being the most likely outcome, is it? I mean... 
I guess the you know the judges out. Nobody knows what will happen if the North Korean regime collapses. But you know, I think there have been a lot of prognostic. Uh, you know, a lot of. Uh, People predicting the North Korean regimes may not be able to, you know, persist ever since 1980s, 90s, and 2000s with various new economic problems. Mm. But you know, they managed to persist. So I don't think we need to. We should be really relying on what we hope will happen in North Korea. It seems that the regime has, you know, fairly good good, good control of the society. It's still a very impoverished society. So hopefully, we can draw some kind of realistic negotiation with the regime. Coming back to your your point, though, here as well. Uh, in conclusion, even if we were able to circumvent all these other issues, the problem is that North Korea and the US can never fundamentally trust each other. Probably not, but hopefully, you know, they can build up some degree of trust. I mean, it actually happened for a few years between 1994 to 2002 when the uh, 1994 Great Framework worked semi-successfully, not completely, but semi-successfully for a few years. So perhaps we can go back to that kind of mindset once again. So much else going on behind the scenes with the South Korea relationship and China and Russia, Japan, etc. Um, we could dedicate two hours and still need to go further up close. So for now, I'll say thank you very much for joining us and have a fine weekend. Professor Zhang Huang of Hankook University of Foreign Studies Law School rounding out our show for today. And thank you for your company. We've been talking about seemingly unsolvable problems today. That doesn't mean we shouldn't challenge them. That doesn't mean we shouldn't either, as I suggested before, ask our leaders to present more realistic solutions. With this caveat, there have to always be some strategies that are kept under wraps. Uh, you, you can't, for example, aim to bring about regime collapse and do so openly and tell the world what you're doing um, by its very nature. That's just one extreme example. Uh, that would perhaps apply to both Venezuela and North Korea. Uh, we'll be back Monday, 7.05. Please do join us then, but stay with us. The show goes on on TBS EFM with Careerscape and Kurdation after your latest news headlines. <laughs>